You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. Great big business of cannabis. Welcome to everyone listening uh, in today. Uh, depending on your time zone, it's either mid afternoon or early evening or something in between. Thanks for joining me, Dave Sky. And I will be joined at the end of the show by my co host, sidekick Matt Cook, when we wrap things up and uh, discuss the issues our guests have raised. Hopefully, say something insightful. Of course, we'll see about that, but I'm feeling optimistic. So stick around for that. On the business of cannabis, we try to bring you the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines, the latest in cannabis brands, services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing, a hard look at the hard realities of making money in the cannabis industry. On today's show, we'll be speaking to uh, two very experienced business people. Uh, first up, Odkur Rangta of C3 Industries. Uh, C3 Industries, a vertical player with dispensaries and grow operations. They also market their own brands. So I guess that makes three businesses they're in. And we'll ask Ankur, who balances all that, how he's managed to lead a C3 to some pretty impressive uh, results, a pretty high level of success, um, including a presence in four states and uh, with more on the way. And then we chat with Vic Devji of Chima US. Chima produces hardware to manage the cash that retailers have to deal with every day. Uh, We've spoken about cash in the retail environment before, and we thought it'd be good to speak to an OEM. Uh, in the cash management uh, space. Uh, Cannabis, as everyone knows, uh, is a very cash-heavy industry because credit card companies and most banks won't touch uh, any transaction related to cash. We'll ask Chima why they made the decision to focus on the cannabis space and how that's going and what they bring to the table. Innovation, opportunism, expansion. We hope to cover these subjects today as we speak to Ankurangta from C3 Industries and Vic Devji from Chima. Well, I'll, I decree that this show shall now begin. So uh, let's get into it here on The Business of Cannabis. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products. North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www. 
welcome to the Business of Cannabis, Dave and Matt. Uh, and we are um, going to be speaking to a, a pretty dynamic uh, player in the cannabis space. Uh, this is uh, Ankur uh, Rangta, co-founder, chief executive officer of C3 Industries. Uh, founded the company with his brother, Vishal, and longtime friend, Joel Ruggiero. Under Ankur's leadership, the company's raised over 100 million capital employs more than 400 people, uh, overseeing the development of six award-winning cannabis production facilities, as well as uh, 13 retail stores and more on the way. Um, Anchor is also, this is interesting, co-founder and board member of Nickel City Pictures, a film and uh, television production company based in LA and New York, producing such box office hits as John Wick 2, November Man, and Mother's Day, which is pretty cool. That's our first uh, um, producer on the show who's not producing cannabis. Hollywood. Doing both, Hollywood, yeah. Uh, prior to launching these companies, Onkur um, worked as an investment banker um, in New York, a corporate attorney uh, in New York and advised uh, clients on capital markets, M&A transactions and so on, law stuff. But then he got bored and decided to go into business. Onkur, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, David, thank you for having me today. Yeah, that's an impressive, obviously, background, and you've obviously accomplished a lot. But I want to start off with sort of the, the strategy side of it at the beginning. Uh, sure. C3 launches in Oregon, expands into Michigan. Why those states? Not California, sure. not Colorado. Uh, did you consider, uh, take us through quickly why, how, how that began. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I think those two markets were really in the beginning a function of where we had a meaningful presence and relationships. And so um, Michigan is a place that uh, we have very deep roots in. Um, I, I grew up in Western New York. All three of the founders of C3 grew up in Western New York outside of Buffalo. But uh, Vishal and I came to Michigan for college. I went to law school here as well, um, built some pretty deep roots in, in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. Uh, and so Michigan was always a market that we were interested in participating in. Um, and then Oregon uh, was a market that Joel had very deep roots in. He had li been living in Portland, uh, active in that medical market there. Um, so that was, you know, it was really the two places where we had, you know, kind of the opportunity and the relationships to make something and happen. And, and, you know, interestingly, as I look back, uh, I think at the time, we were very confident in our ability to operate. Uh, we assumed and thought that, um, that you know, good operations high quality products could be successful in any marketplace. And so uh, we were less focused on uh, getting into the limited license states and, and more focused on, you know, where can we pursue opportunities that we knew were actionable, where there wasn't, you know, a licensing process that we had to go through first that was risky, where it was more of a guaranteed outcome for licensing. And so, gotcha. um, so that's really how we entered those two markets. And the company's based in Michigan. I live in Ann Arbor. And so uh, so certainly our, our biggest corporate presence as a team is here, and, and this is still our biggest market operationally is, is Michigan. Uh, but, but, you know, I think some of that thinking as we've seen how the industry has evolved, how different markets have evolved, um, you know, we, we've, we've also started to think differently about certain markets over time. So talk to us a little bit about that. So, you know, you are in Massachusetts and uh, Missouri, and uh, where, where next? Yeah, I think, you know, Massachusetts and Missouri are very exciting for us. Um, we launched operations in both of those states, um, uh, you know, last year uh, in 2021 and, and had spent, you know, two or three years working on each of those markets. So there was a, that was the end of a long process. So we were really excited about that. Um, those states, 
uh, I think have, have really strong dynamics for our business, meaning um, there's you know, a strong wholesale market for our product business. Um, there's still great opportunities for retail. Uh, so I, I find them to be competitive and dynamic, but not overly competitive to the point where it's tough to have a successful business. And like so, a, a California or a Oregon, yeah. I think is it. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon example. And, and starting, Michigan, yeah. Michigan seems to be, you know, heading in that direction in certain ways. And so, um, and so, yeah, I think it's, we're really excited about those two markets. We've got great geographic spread in our business as well, as we think about, you know, starting to establish, you know, a national awareness of our company and of our brands. Uh, and, and as we look forward, you know, to answer the other part of your question, Matt, um, you know, we are interested in entering new markets beyond these four. Um, we, we do have, you know, certain, you know, ideas in mind or, or, or sort of processes that are ongoing. Um, you know, our, our business historically in Michigan, Mass, Missouri, Oregon, really was built organically uh, with very little M&A. Um, and so we, you know, hmm. secured sites, applied for licenses, built out facilities, operated them. So even though Michelle and I have a finance and you know, kind of capital markets M&A background, we've really approached the business in a more sort of step-by-step -step and, and sort of fundamentally driven way. Um, but I do think that now we're, we're starting to look more aggressively at some M&A opportunities. Um, we are interested in markets like Ohio and Illinois. Um, we want to continue to, to fill out our sort of Midwest presence if we could. You know, we're already in Michigan and, and Missouri, of course. Uh, so Ohio and Illinois are very exciting for us. That would be through acquisition. Um, and so we're, we're actively you know, exploring things on that front. And then, and then we do intend to continue applying for new organic licenses as well. And so I think the two uh, states that we're, you know, sort of looking at imminently are Connecticut and then New York, where we're, you know, originally from and grew up. Where you're so, here, right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of companies that are looking to grow, you know, kind of aggressively um, would instantly, and especially with your background, would look to M&A right away. Yeah. So why, why have you chose to kind of grow or grow organically as opposed to acquire um, locations in, in different states? Um, you know, I think it was, it, it goes back to what I said in, in the beginning when we started this business. It was really, it was about, you know, at, at its core, it was about producing great flour. Um, yeah. All three of us, the three founders are very passionate about cannabis flour. Uh, you know, for me, it's been part of my adult life, you know, you know, all along. I've always, uh, you know, really kind of sought out the highest quality flour. It's an exciting uh, sort of passion or hobby of mine, you know, mm -hmm. just like you would with a rare bottle of wine or a rare bourbon or whatever it might right. be. You know, for me, 20 years ago, it was particularly before there was a licensed market. It was always the the chase of trying yeah. to find it, you know, that course. Right. right. And so yeah. um, so it really started with that uh, goal and that desire, that plan. And so it was less about huge scale. It was we didn't set out to necessarily build a huge MSO. I mean, we certainly desired to have a successful business, so that suggested growth over time. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't that we were immediately setting out with that goal. And 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 we also, you know, as much as we are capital markets and finance people, we really are operators, and we think about everything through that lens first and foremost. And so, you know, we always when we look at something, whether it's an organic opportunity or an M and A opportunity, you know, our first questions are always. <laughs> can we execute this well? Um, and so it's not, can we finance it? You know, can we get a good deal on it? You know, that those questions are also there, but um, so I think it's just a mindset. And, um, and I think we also have bought into the idea that, 
you know, we're still in the early innings of this industry. And, and as much as it's a race, it's, it's a, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And so we're, you know, if we put the pieces together, right. uh, Over a longer period of time, uh, maybe that'll lead to a better outcome or a different outcome. So, you know, instead of, there, there are companies that have done an incredible job of scaling and aggregating quickly. And so I sure I, I take my hats off to some of those guys. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's so just a different mentality than what we have. I you think know, it's I, interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I'm a finance guy. I spent, you know, years in the investment industry. And it, it's interesting to, to hear that perspective from someone who uh, had, had a very similar um, background because, you know, your first instinct would be, let's scale quickly, right? And you're really kind of saying, let's walk before we run, let's do this right. Uh, Let's think about the actual outcome rather than, you know, um, you know, getting, getting to profitability or or making the most money. well, you're That's walking pretty quick, though. You're. It's not like yeah, you're. Yeah. Like, you're not, like, yeah, wait a second. Do a little bit of both. Hold on. Walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm going right? to end yeah, this yeah. whole ma and pa kind of approach to someone who's raised all that money and has like, will yeah. soon have over 20 stores and six facilities. Um, but let me just add to what Matt said. I was listening to because as you were talking, I, and one of the things coming in, I was going to, I wanted to talk about why you were vertical. Why did you? Why did you choose to be on both sides of it? I don't want to talk about that now because I think you've answered why. But to Matt's point about sort of growing organically and take, how do you balance those two things? I mean, a grow production facility doesn't really have a lot to, in common with retail other than, yeah, there's some of that product, but you have other products, obviously, um, and maybe a bit of distribution you can control, but they're different businesses sales, marketing, strategy, how do you balance that? Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're extremely different businesses and they require different skill sets, different strategy. Um, and I think, you know, I think the logic for being vertical in a lot of cannabis markets is pretty sound and that's why you see people doing it. And that can be for defensive reasons. If you're a large producer and you want to have your own vertical retail channels to work through, so you're avoiding, you know, some wholesale market volatility, if you're a retailer, you know you may have tough margin profile, tough cash flow profile. So you may want to vertically integrate upward and capture more margin. If you're a limited license market, um, there's just a logic to grabbing as much market share as you can while you can, if the price is right, or or if you're able to do it through, you know, winning licenses. And so I think the logic is always there. The question is, can you execute it well? Um, because to your point, they're very, very different businesses. And even within the manuf- even within the product side, cultivation and processing are very different businesses as well. So, um, so I think there's a lot of economic and business rationale for why you become vertical and you do it. But um, you know, for us, it's always been, can we do all those things well? And so, on the on the production side of things, I view the cultivation and processing parts of our business as being very sort of closely related. And by that, I mean we only you know we cultivate our own biomass. It's been, you know, we've had a great track record of high quality flour and biomass that we produce. In our processing business, we really only process that internal biomass that we produce. And so we're producing only internally derived full spectrum products from those, from that biomass. So we're, we're only producing full spectrum carts or concentrates. Um, and, and we're not really running third party biomass in any meaningful way. And so it's kind of a, a fully contained ecosystem. And for those, for people that like our, our sort of, 
you know, cultivation or the products that come out of that that are derived from that. You can buy flour, you can buy concentrates, vape carts that, you know, that sort of all come from that same source. Um, so we've really gotten that dialed in, I think, over the last few years. It's, it's been a really important focus of ours and, and, you know, really where the business started was on the product side. And I, I think we still view our, you know, our long-term core as being on the product side and as gotcha. a consumer products company. Um, retail uh, sort of developed more over time, meaning we didn't come right out of the gate thinking we were going to be large retail players. But uh, in markets like Michigan, there were a lot of compelling opportunities that we were seeing. And like I said, there was just a lot of logic for us to get into that business if we could, at, at, on, you know, again, on the right terms and the right opportunities. Um, and so that's something we've really refined. We, you know, we went from one store uh, when COVID started in March of 20 to now we have 13 operating, we'll have 20 soon. So wow, it's that's, major that's, yeah, like all of a sudden, wait a second, we're retailers. Yeah. yeah. Like 20, you know, 20 some stores. It's not like, yeah. you know, you different. actually have to run those things. <laughs> oh yeah. No. And it's, and it's a totally different approach. And, yeah. um, but you know, even there we've had, I think a lot of success and we've built, Good. you know, to me, it's all about building the right team. And, uh, and we've been very, you know, we've been lean always uh, because that's part of our sort of, Core philosophy is trying to stay lean and thinking a lot about uh, margins and cash flow profitability. Uh, and we have, you know, we've been EBITDA positive since 2020, uh, which is very unusual, right. I think, in, in our space. Because um, yeah, something so, happened around that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, so we, you know, so we, we are, we're very focused on put, putting the right people in the right positions to have that business be successful. And I think you know, that is really kind of, we're stretching our legs there. We've got right. phenomenal head of retail and, and, and retail leadership. Um, we've got really strong marketing leadership. We actually just brought in a, a guy named John Moyers who, uh, who ran marketing at Harvest previously. Uh, and, and we've got a really strong team there. So, so I think it's, you know, retail is a lot about execution. Um, obviously you have to find the right doors and you have to find the right locations and all that, but, but then you just, you have to have the whole retail playbook really dialed in, particularly in a market like Michigan, where there's, 500 stores going to 800, um, you know, so, so every week we are talking to Ankur Rangta of C3, C3 Industries, um, and, and learning about, uh, uh, the various assets, the various roads to success in an industry like cannabis. Uh, you could start in one area in one state. And the next thing you know, you find yourself a multi-state player with multiple locations and, production yeah. and coordination and i guess you wake up some days and go what what business am i in like yeah <laughs> well, we're in the cool. compliance we're in the compliance business that's okay the- yeah it's true yeah <laughs> so so you left the investment business with no compliance right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the cannabis people are watching that's us right. that's so right so why don't you walk us through your product line i mean you've got flour concentrate vape cartridge yeah. uh, you know what's your what's your flagship product yeah. Yeah. So our product brand is called cloud cover, cloud cover cannabis. Um, that's the brand that we, uh, offer all of our products in, in, in the four States. Um, that, like I said, that, that brand is really, we view it as a full spectrum indoor brand. So it's, it's all about indoor cannabis flower. It's about, uh, the, the products that are derived directly from that in the indoor cannabis biomass that we produce, you know, so in that those products are typically, in the concentrate category, we're doing a lot of terp sugars and batters, uh, diamonds, THCA, you know, really high quality, uh, uh, full spectrum, you know, BHO concentrates is, is, is our main business on the concentrate side. 
And then we also make really, really uh, high quality carts that are, again, full spectrum. Nothing is, is just a distillate based cart. So those could be sauce carts. They can be dab carts. Uh, there's some different iterations of those. And so, uh, so really just trying to focus on the, that highest quality biomass selling, you know, flour that, that comes out of our facilities, um, having a really kind of high bar for, for what that flour looks like. We, we've been lucky enough to win um, some really exciting awards in the states that we that we're in that are, you know, markets like Michigan and Oregon that are that are very competitive from a, uh, you know, from a quality standpoint. There's a lot of a lot of companies that are, you know, innovating and then on the cutting edge of, of producing high end products. So, you know, in my opinion, winning awards in those markets is really um, it's a testament to what we're doing. And, and so uh, so we've got we've won awards in flour. We've won actually awards in concentrates as well, which we're not. We haven't historically been known as a concentrate company as much, but yeah. but you know we won first place in Michigan last year in the in the in the cannabis cup in concentrate uh, in the concentrate category. Wow. So uh, so that's really yeah. exciting. That's awesome. something we want to really kind of stick to our philosophy and our principles there, and not we don't want to dilute that brand or the quality of what we're offering yeah. there. Um, and then on the retail side, um, our brand is called High Profile. That's what all the stores are branded. Um, really, I, you know, our focus there is. In trying to kind of act as a trusted, you know, partner for our consumers, and what that means to me is there's a lot of noise in the space. There's a lot of there, you know, in Michigan, there's a thousand brands out there, and and every day there's new ones. And so I think as a as a retailer, you know, it's it's our job to sort of help educate and inform consumers and and help them really sort of pick through the options and get to the right choice because I think we're still in a point in time when consumers, you know, have trouble sometimes navigating their options. And so, you know, for us, it's about great customer service, trying to curate a great selection, certainly offering competitive pricing promotions and all that stuff in the States that it's allowed. And, and ultimately, you know, it's, it's a competitive retail marketplace. You, you have to be good, you know, at, and, and, and kind of operate the whole playbook to be successful. Right. So, what do you what do you see the maybe the big differences between uh, the states that you operate in now in terms of the products that uh, you're selling and where do you maybe see you know either shifting or expanding your product line? Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, I think the four states that we're in are you know they run the the full spectrum of different markets. So you've got you know Oregon on one end, which is a rec market, wide open from a licensing standpoint, very competitive. You know, a lot of product innovation, you know, very competitive pricing for consumers. Um, and then, you know, in a West Coast sort of culture and, and mentality, um, you've got Michigan that I think has some of those same dynamics uh, as, as in Oregon or heading in that direction. You know, and then you've got Mass, which is rec and open, but still fairly constrained in, in kind of the number of suppliers and, and pricing is still right. relatively high. Uh, and then Missouri is a medical only market that's really only whatever 18 months old still. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, there's a good likelihood that it'll go rec later this year, but it's got a fixed number of licenses at the state level. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in all market types and we've got to, you know, adjust our strategies for each of these different environments. Um, and to your question on products, I mean, it's fascinating, you know, Matt, Massachusetts, for example, we're, we're launching product sales there this month. Our first store in Boston is opening next week, which is really exciting. We have three stores in Boston. Um, and there, there's a huge amount of demand for pre-rolls. There's a huge amount of demand um, for edibles, less demand for concentrates, um, less demand for bulk flour versus pre-packaged flour, right? In Michigan, it's, it's very different. There's more demand for 
bulk flour, there's more demand for concentrates, less demand on a relative basis for pre-rolls. Um, and so you're seeing that, that shift, you know, that differentiation in product mix and then pricing. I mean, pricing just varies massively in, in Goes Massachusetts. from state to state, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in Massachusetts, you're paying, you know, $31, $32 for high-end flour for, for a prepackaged eighth in the wholesale market. You're selling that for $65 or $60 plus tax. Uh, in Michigan, high-end flour is, in some cases, selling for $30, $35 an eighth at retail, you know, or $40 an eighth. Oregon's even cheaper. So it's, you're seeing this huge huge spread between different states and it's it's so driven by the regulatory framework it's it's really like like i kind of touched on in the beginning um i i didn't fully appreciate in the, when i started this business how important those regulatory uh licensing pieces would be in terms of how these markets play out and, and the right. dynamics so it's so challenging and then and then you make a big strategic decision based on something that's good that could change yeah, well, I, I think <laughs> you know, to, to put my Whoops. investment banking Pivot. hat on, your, your regulatory underwriting is is crucial, right? right? I mean, yeah. if you're going to do M&A in this space, it's all about you're, you're largely, I mean, of course, you're making a bet on operations and stuff, but you're making a bet on how you think the rules are going to play out in that right. market. Right. We have been fortunate to uh, talk to Ankur Rangta uh, and a unique perspective in, ter- in the sense of having sort of, you're in everything here almost uh, touching all areas, maybe not so much distribution would be the only thing maybe, uh, but other than that, so interesting production, a true vertical play and a very strategic vertical play, which was uh, interesting to, to, to learn about. Uh, Ankur, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. I'm sorry Thanks that we're out of it. Uh, so we're gonna give you a little uh, time to be more successful. We're gonna call you back and see how you great. do it. No, thanks, David. Thanks, Matt. It was a great conversation, appreciate it. And we will be back with more of the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www. back to the business of cannabis and let's just dive right into it because we have a welcome back also to our uh, next guest Kuraj Kachwani of a Rethink Pay. Uh, we had uh, Kuraj on the show a few months ago and talked about his uh, launch of a new business, a new business idea in the cannabis space in the payments area. Now Rethink does a lot of stuff um, but and well, I'm going to ask Karaj about this. He actually started his business career in the nightclub space. Um, and then he kind of morphed that into creating this new interesting payment option uh, for cannabis retailers to be paid using the blockchain, uh, which I like to use that word. I don't understand it. I like using it. So that's why I've done it. And then uh, it enables apparently uh, retailers to use true Visa and MasterCard, uh, these uh, credit cards and, uh, and debit cards. Um, and also, uh, he's launching a daily credit or provisional credit to the cannabis space. So um, for, I, I believe him because he brings a lot of brain power to the subject. He's an engineer and has a PhD in the field of 
biomedical medical engineering. Karaj, welcome back to the Business Channels. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, so, so tell us, start uh, for, you know, for those who, 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 I can't believe it, but might not have heard, heard the first time you were on the show. How'd you get your start in this sort of the cannabis space oh, from man. biomedical engineering? Yeah, so let's see. Uh, as you can my, remember my, that far back. Yeah, this is, this is a little while ago. So I did my education, my bachelor's, master's, and PhD in biomedical engineering. Um, I worked for NASA creating artificial skeletal and cardiac tissue, and we used to shoot them out in space, right, to see how they atrophied. It was very grueling work. Um, That's so weird. I did that too. That's oh, such I mean, a coincidence. How did we not? Yeah. Uh, but the thing was, I wanted to go to a party as a PhD student working with NASA. No one would invite me to a party anymore. <laughs> I was a big fat guy. No one invited me to a party. Right, right. So me and my best friend, we decided we're going to create this app out where people are going to host parties and we will find out about all the parties on the Ohio State campus and we'll go to all of them for free. That was the plan. Um, so that, that night we had reached out to Uber cause we thought, Hey, why not talk to a big company, see if they would be able to support our app. And we created this feature called Uber safe, right? Mind you, nothing was coded at this point. This was just an idea. We emailed Uber say, Hey, we have this great idea. We want to create the safe ride feature for you. Cause Uber was going through a lot of bad press with, uh, unfortunate things happening to right. them. Right, yeah, crime, yeah, for sure. Um, so we are like, we can mitigate that. And we told them we have this great app, it's in beta right now and all this good stuff. Mm. Um, about, I think it was a month later, they reached out, it's like, that is fantastic. We love the idea. This is something we want to do ourselves as well. We would love to support your app. Um, a month in, we barely had any coding done. So we're like, <laughs> we started, we started like negotiating with Uber, how that looks for three months, finished the MVP, launched it. And that's how we started. Awesome. The app ended up being a payments app instead of a party app. So we were then doing payments for the nightlife industry, everything from bottle service, table service, sales of alcohol, sales of tickets for events, the whole nine yards. Uh, from there, we expanded into the motel industry. So high-risk motel charges. Uh, there are a lot of chargebacks in that industry. So we were trying to mitigate that out and we created a system for that. Um, and then we ended up getting almost shut down through COVID in 2020, uh, which was a hard time for us because all of our clients lost business on that. Um, and internally, we thought about this and we said, hey, we need to look at other industries that are still growing. And hemp and cannabis came into play. Uh, now, around this time, we love the industry. The industry has had a few problems, one of them being compliance. The payments industry on the cannabis side was just so non-compliant, uh, we, could, we couldn't believe it. And we said, hey, there's space for us to become compliant and grow. So uh, we talked to our partners, Uber, Snapchat, Fiserv Square, asked them if they wanted to join cannabis and hemp with us. None no, of them wanted to go the answer to is no. Trader. No, we don't want compliance for cannabis. Screw you. Did you guys. say cannabis? No. Yeah. I mean, Square at that point was in hemp and they were looking to get into cannabis. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, nah, not yet. Not yet. Give us a few mm. years. Mm. Uh, so that was fine. We decided that we were going to take the compliance on our heads. 
registered with FinCEN, that's the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. It's part of the US Treasury. So the first thing we did, we registered with them as an MSB, a money service business in all 50 states in the United States. So at the very minimum, we could compliantly transact for any state legal industry. Once that was done, we started creating our own private blockchain network off of a protocol called Hyperledger Fabric. And then we launched our own stable coin inside of it called Stable Bank Coin. Worked with IBM, got audits in and everything else. Um, right when we were trying to launch it in August and September, this is when we first spoke, I believe, uh, one of our compliance officers came up and was like, this is a great idea for cannabis, but stable coin regulation is not stable. And by can I, that, can I jump in there? And yeah, okay, can you just explain what you just said? Stable yeah. coin and yeah, what, what do you mean? So a stable coin is basically uh, it's a cryptocurrency whose value is pegged one to one by a stable currency like the U.S. dollar, right? Ah, okay. So unfortunately, stable coins do fluctuate in value usually by 0.05 cents. And the stability is maintained by an algorithm that keeps the stable coin stable, but it's never one-to-one. Now, the problem with that is you could basically code an arbitrage bot and buy the stable coin for $0.995 and sell it for $1.005 and make a profit. And once you have that ability to make profit, it's considered a security. And securities are controlled by the SEC. They are taxed as securities with 23%. That's a whole different ballgame. And we could not launch that side out because it was obviously going to be considered a security by Fed Chair Powell. He came out and said that many a times. Uh, so at this point, we said, hey, we have a good solution for high-risk industries like cannabis. But the cryptocurrency stablecoin side is not going to work. What do we do? We unfortunately delayed the whole system by about six months, went back to the drawing board, created an entire system called quantum banking from the ground up. So what it is, is let me explain how cryptocurrencies and blockchain work. So first you have cryptocurrency, which is a smart contract code. Um, this, this creates your NFTs, cryptocurrencies and stable coins. Underneath that you have the blockchain, which is basically an algorithmic code on top of Web3 or IPFS. And the bottom layer is IPFS. So what we did is we took away the cryptocurrency codes, we took away the algorithmic code and built from the ground up directly on Web3 IPFS. Once we did that, we created this amazing closed loop system and each dollar was represented by an asset marker and the asset marker had no fluctuation in value. Oh, so okay. Yeah, so it was never right. considered a security anymore. That's the point where our compliance officers gave us a thumbs up. Hey, it's good to go. Let's launch it. And so it is a dollar for lay people like me, but you dollar, needed right. to encase it in a in a concrete bunker so that it's a dollar and and no one can make money off it. Correct. And now I can trust it. Now you can trust it. Now there's no fluctuation. There's no. It's a dollar. For, all, for, for, for I don't really care about all the other stuff. What yeah. I need to, yeah, that stable coin is a dollar. Okay, I'm with you, keep going. Okay, so now we launched um, the whole system out in December and we've been growing ever since that, taking on pretty high level clients. Uh, and I can kind of give you a flow of how it works currently. 
Uh, so what happens is someone goes into a store, let's say they want to purchase, uh, I don't know, cannabis, porn, whatever the case may be, any high risk industry. Uh, the, the seller sends them a text invoice. They click the link. They connect their Apple Pay, Google Pay, credit card, debit card. Purchase the Rethink Asset Marker under the merchant category code 6051. So this code basically converts United States dollars into something called quasi-cash. And now think about quasi-cash as Chuck E. Cheese money that can only be used at Chuck E. Cheese and nowhere else. Okay. Right? So it's converted to this Chuck E. Cheese money or the Rethink Asset Marker. It's sent to the seller and we underwrite each transaction for know your customer processes, know your business processes and anti-money laundering processes. So we handle all of that in-house for the transactions, report that to FinCEN um, if there are suspicious activities and that's how we handle the whole flow of things. We are talking to Karaj Kashwani of Rethink Bank, or Rethink Pay, I apologize. Um, because I know you've rebranded. You, you told me at the top of the show, you've rebranded, so it's Rethink Pay, which is cool. So let's continue this um, before my head explodes. But it actually is pretty simple. I'm a consumer. I walk in. I get a text on my phone. I pay, like I either with, with if I want Apple Pay or Google Pay, or I, I assume I can pay through your app or whatever, however I want to pay. Uh, I'm paying with my credit card or debit card. For all right. I care, that's what's happening. And right. my 10 American dollars are worth 10 American dollars. And the fancy stuff in the background that makes it all compliant. And that's the key, because we've talked to people on this show and you can, you know, the cashless ATM systems that they get shut down, they don't work. You jump to another financial player and that's why there's so much cash in this business. This is all compliant, what I'm hearing, because it's, it's not cannabis money in a sense from exactly I'm, I'm buying this you called it quasi the asset marker right right the, the marker yeah app. right which to me is just a dollar i'm paying for my cannabis here's a hundred dollars done i get my cannabis and i assume the business gets gets their money the business in their account their money. right exactly in, dollar, in dollars not uh, they're not getting crypto so they're, they're getting the Rethink Asset Markers. Okay. And they can use that to pay vendors, employees, or push that to their bank account, any bank account for free. There's no charges to any of that. But that marker is, a, is an American dollar in my mind, or what is it? In your mind, it, it is technically, it's, a, it's technically a Web3 marker. It's a decentralized marker, but its value is pegged one to one. With oh, the I see. Dollar. So it's like, okay. So I can pay with it and it's a dollar. It's a dollar, yeah. You've used a fancy word, but it's a dollar. So I, I use fancy words because for me, it's all about compliance, right? Uh, right? I cannot blur the lines because over here, the distinction is you're not using Visa or MasterCard to buy cannabis. You're reusing you. no, the totally. Rethink financial rails with the Rethink marker to buy the cannabis and we report that to the federal government. Gotcha. And that's a big compliance distinction. I know it's a little convoluted. Every, all the magic is in the back end, so the consumer doesn't have to deal with it. The business doesn't have to deal with it. But it's a very important distinction. No, I get it. That's why it, hasn't, it doesn't happen. We, that's why this, uh, you know, we've, we've, had, we've had alternative payment. We've had payment, uh, cannabis payment 
companies on the show. And it's the, and in all intents and purposes, just basically cashless ATMs, uh, glorified cash advances. And they're doing, they're doing quite well because they charge a lot of money. Uh, but they're in business because you can't use Visa or you can't use credit or debit cards. Right. What I'm hearing is, and we talked, we talked, what do we talk about? Where you had the idea is, uh, is now you can do it, which is Absolutely. cool. Let's keep going. Uh, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, provisional credit or daily credit, I've heard it called. Yes. Um, and in my other business life, uh, I've been involved in the convenience industry and, it, and it's everywhere where you, where as soon as you get money, you, in a sense, can spend it. As long as I put it through the, cat, the proper cash counting machine, it goes into a safe that I can't touch. Um, and now I don't have to get cash picked up quickly uh, as much. I save on bank fees and I get access to my cash right away. I don't have to wait for it to be counted and processed and deposited. So you brought this to the cannabis space? Yeah, so this is a very, very exciting project we're bringing to the cannabis space with a company called CashTech, um, fantastic company. Uh, what, what happens for this is we, even though we're not a bank, and I would love to say we're not a bank, because uh, we're a Web3 system, Right. in all instances, we replace a traditional bank. Gotcha. Um, so let's say someone has these amazing smart safes that can count your cash and put it inside the safe. We get notified how much cash is in that safe. Let's say the money is going to be picked up from a dispensary end of the week. For that money that is picked up, you don't have that cash sitting or credit in your account. So what we're doing is giving all these business owners credit for that cash sitting in their safe right away so they can start spending it, paying their employees, paying their vendors without having to deposit that cash out. Wow, yes. It's interesting and timely because next week we're talking to a manufacturer of those that hardware that, that enables, that I guess, secures the money, counts it, verifies it, puts it in a safe so that you know you're getting, that money is gonna go to the bank eventually. Maybe it takes a week, but you have a whole week to spend that money before it even goes to the bank. Uh, absolutely. That's absolutely. amazing. And it's gonna be a great addition for the industry and it's gonna normalize the cannabis industry to all the other industries because the, the mm. cannabis industry is now, it, it is behind the eight ball line. Regular banks don't wanna play with them. Obviously Visa and MasterCard don't wanna play with the industry. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's always been behind the eight ball and we're trying to make sure it is above and beyond the current systems that right so to a customer or a business uh dealing b2b they have all the benefits and advantages that other industries will have but it, what i'm hearing is yeah it's a little different though so they have to get their heads into that it's a little different because they can't have a customer just tap a credit card it's a little different but it solved the problem that's really cool like it's great to have, that's why we love the show is you've solved the problem. And maybe it's not glamorous, you know, cause selling or growing cannabis is kind of the sexy part of the business. Right. But this is where a business can, you know, live and die or get an advantage over the competition. What's, um, 
So what's the rethink pay sort of vision? Like in five years, what are you guys doing? Not just in Canada, but like in any industry. So our, our vision is we have a twofold vision, obviously to go up against Visa and MasterCard is the first big one. Uh, we have our own decentralized financial rails that uh, go up against the Visa centralized and the MasterCard centralized rails. Mm-hmm. And we would like to get big enough to kind of start taking significant market share out of it. And our second vision is we're moving hard into a space called international remittance. So transacting money from one country to the next and doing borderless payments using our system. And we've enabled that very easily at no fees, making it very smooth. Um, And we're looking to take a major space into that and then work with governments. So we're starting work with a few governments right now where we're looking to kind of use the Rethink Asset Marker rebranded for the currency of the country where their currencies have been hyperinflated and have gone to a worthless level, unfortunately. Ah, okay. Well, you'll be working in Russia pretty soon. Uh, no, we, we will not be working with any sanctioned countries, unfortunately. Well, they're going to need, I don't know if you're going to work, but they're going to need you, it sounds like. They're going to need us, Yeah, yes. they're going to need you, but they're, you know, call someone else. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Karaj, that's, uh, thank you very much for your time. I always love talking to you. You always have something uh, cool and over my head to talk about, but it's, at the same time, it's very simple. I get it. You're solving this problem. I can now, my customers can pay however they want. And I can pay people however I want. It's all I need to know. Uh, I don't really care about Web3 and uh, different, you know, as long as it's legal and it's compliant, it's perfect. That's great. Yeah. No, uh, uh, shout out to whoever, maybe it's you who had the, <laughs> had the wherewithal to actually make that happen <laughs> and build it. Uh, not just talk about it, but build it. So um, Kuraj uh, Keshvani of uh, Rethink Pay, um, I encourage you to reach out and, uh, and uh, talk uh, to them about uh, uh, alternative payments and also uh, uh, provisional credit in the cannabis space. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview me again. I love being on the show. Well, we'll have you. Well, I, I think you've earned another shout out. So we're going to give you about six more months to uh, keep going. And then I'm sure we'll have a whole nother set of things to talk about. Absolutely. Very Absolutely, cool. Sir. And we will be back uh, with more of the business of cannabis. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www. Welcome back, uh, Business of Cannabis listeners. Dave Sky here with Matt Cook. And let's, um, Matt's had the opportunity to uh, listen uh, to what uh, Unkur Rengta from C3 Industries and uh, Vic Devji from China, US. I will call this the, C- the CEO show. 
because uh, <laughs> maybe a, a, a cheesy reference to cannabis because C3 industries and Chima is spelled with a C, which I learned, C-I-M-A, yeah. Chima. So um, very interesting, articulate men. I like talking to some people with deep, deep experience and who really know what they're talking about. Right. So I was impressed. Um, when Kaur, we've had other vertical players on the show. Um, it sounds like these are vertical players almost, I wouldn't say by accident, but their success is propelling them forward, starting out really with right. as a as a grow in Oregon. They moved to Michigan, but that was even that's because they had roots in Michigan, wasn't even strategic. Yeah, Anchor is like like based in Michigan. So yeah, Ann Arbor. And then he and but then they start a store and in a year they should have almost 20, apparently. Even less well, in six months. It's it's sort of this organic growth that's fueling this as they try to keep keep up. And yet he acknowledged two completely different businesses on some way. Well, I think the one thing, um, you know, I'm a life. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur, right? So, um, you know, for me, it's always like you're looking at what's coming at you, where's the opportunity. And, you know, I don't, you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't think that their success is really any different than most entrepreneurs, right? Um, right, luck, they, luck, timing and skill. Yeah, yeah and, and, and they've adapted to, um, what's happening right in front of them, which is amazing. Right. Uh, not everyone can do that. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. There's well, it's that stick to your knitting, or follow the the path and and branch out. There's no right or wrong. Uh, there but is there's absolutely no right or wrong. They're, they're both very competitive businesses. Yeah. Grow. Right. And they have brands, which is cool. But yeah, there's hundreds of brands and dispensaries cool but there are there are no shortage of those but and we know point, and there'll your, be a thousand point, i mean there's there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of competition um in you know the brand world as well as the grow world and right. they've chosen to kind of attack both which yeah is so sort of like three businesses brand they have a brand their yeah. own vape cartridges and, and flour and concentrates, a grow, just and uh, and and dispensary. Yeah, and yeah. maybe it says diversity strategy uh, on some level. So you're not like right. he, like he spoke about. Let's not put our eggs. He didn't explicitly say it, but he's kind of think I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. I'm growing baskets. Right. right. And maybe one day, the dispensary side will be nothing important. You know, maybe it's forty or fifty dispensaries which is not, it's not small, yep. but nothing huge, but he'll have grows in 25 states right. and a national brand right. or no, he'll have hundreds of stores where he can sell his bread. Yeah. And the grow is okay. Maybe won't even grow his own stuff at some point because other people will be bigger and better, cheaper. At it. Um, yeah. And, and Vic, I, I really enjoyed uh, talking to Vic. Uh, um, just, I, I, yeah, I enjoy talking to him. Um, but also, it, they're just solving a problem, but in a different way in that an, an existing business, they were in finance and the financial worlds and casinos and selling their hardware and 
software right. and, all, and so on, solving this cash management problem, which is so not sexy, but it's a huge problem. And it's cool how existing industries are just go are, are suddenly, wait a second, what's going on in cannabis? Yeah. But they sound like they're really going for it. And, and if I was a retailer, it sounds like he's got a pretty elegant solution. I mean, no, we had a, and he, yeah. he definitely does. Um, you know, the one thing that I will say in talking to hundreds of dispensaries across the U.S. is um, there's a major problem with cash. And what Vic and his company and Chima has is an, a very kind of, you know, good solution to a lot of the problems that most of these cannabis dispensaries are having. Yeah, we uh, well, full disclosure. Uh, one of the spot the sponsor of uh, Business of Cannabis is Cash Tech Currency, and that's how we, yeah, you know, speaking to them, and they said, "Oh, you should talk to Vic over at Chima because they're one of the OEMs who put out the hardware right. that we sell, and they have really interesting uh, offering." Uh, so we've talked about cash management, and every time we do, I learn more, and I go, "What? Like, wow, yeah." Uh, I didn't get into the cannabis because of cash management, but I have $50,000 to deal with. Yeah. And I don't want to count it. As Vic said, yeah. at the end of the day, you're spending hundreds and hundreds of hours dealing with that. Or why not automate it all and make it go away for right. what sounded like not a huge investment, whether it was no. $20,000 or $30,000. You're talking about $30,000 to solve a problem that is potentially costing you hundreds of thousands? Right. It's you like know, he said it to as as uh, as Andrea Lombardi, who, who was from Cash Tech, was on the shows. The cash could cost like ten percent, like He's, ten cents of every dollar you're throwing away. So you do the math. Uh, uh yes, but of course it's always money. The the instinct for a lot of people maybe is to throw people at it rather than solve the problem once and, and for all. But until, he made, Vic made a good pitch yeah. off because they have to count cash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> or or. Or someone robs them, or or yeah, exactly. you know, or yeah. employee problems, and you know, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, two interesting uh, people, both of whom were solving problems and and seeing opportunity in a, a an industry that they maybe a few years ago did it didn't even exist, and and now suddenly yeah. you have major businesses yeah. entering, and you have. An emergence of the major business, C three industries. Um, right. That uh, I think we're out of time. Unfortunately, that's our show. Uh, we will be back next week, of course, with uh, more uh, interviews of cannabis entrepreneurs and, and those uh, on the front lines of the cannabis world. Um, thanks to everyone for listening, as always. Uh, thank you to our guests, Onkur Ranta of C three Industries, Vic Devji of Chima US. Uh, thank you, Matt, as always, for your you. insights. And um, everyone keep well. We will be back soon, as always, uh, with more of the Business of Cannabis. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.